There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in town at Grant's microphone. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD homicide sergeant, Bill Cannon, a 27-year of the 27-year veteran of the NYPD. You know, this case of Debbie Collier has been um, baffling really since the beginning. And at one point, I think we all felt that uh, we had it figured out, you know, and like a lot of these cases when they seem simple, they make a turn and they become not so simple, you know. And I always always learned as a homicide investigator, as a homicide boss, was that you treat any death investigation as a homicide case until circumstances, evidence, details indicate otherwise, right? So... We all know that there is four ways that death can be presented to the investigator. It's homicide, suicide, natural, and accidental. All right. Now, this case was too bizarre. It's definitely not natural. We can rule that out, right? We can rule out uh, accidental. It's not, it doesn't present itself as an accident. So we have two possibilities now. We have homicide or suicide. And pretty much right away, the police, the Habersham County Police said, in their exact words, they said that this uh, case was deliberate and personal. So indicating that whoever did this did it deliberately and it was a personal type murder. They indicated it was a homicide. They still indicate that it's a homicide investigation. However, we started hearing little tidbits of the fact that, well, maybe they are considering suicide now. The difficult thing about this being a suicide for everyone that has been following this case is that we don't have all the information. And one of the most important pieces of the information that we don't have is the autopsy. The autopsy results are not out yet. So how can any competent investigator, death investigator, make a determination on a case such as this without the results of the autopsy? I would think that the investigators from Harrisham County must know the results of the autopsy, but they're not They're not saying what their determination is. Is this a homicide or a suicide? It's, you know, indicators of suicide, obviously, or that um, person indicating, uh, indicating that they intend to take their own life that occurs. Depression. What is the person on, um, on antidepressive drugs? Does the person start giving away their their earthly possessions? Does that happen? But then there's other indicators of suicide that are simply are not indicators. There's many people that commit suicide that show no indicators. So it's very complex. So we can't, as content providers, which I am now, I'm not a professional homicide investigator. I'm retired from the police department. But we can't make a good hypothesis. Let's put it that way. Uh, Detective Phil calls it spitballing. I call it hypothesizing and theorizing. We can't hypothesize, make an educated guess in regards to this case because we don't. We don't have the results of the autopsy. None of us do. So how can we determine? Was there blunt trauma? Was there a puncture wound? Was there poison involved? 
was there smoke inhalation that caused Debbie Collier's death? We don't have any of those indicators back. How about toxicology? Was she on alcohol or drugs? What Was she taking antidepressants? Was she being treated for a mental illness? We don't have any of those details. But when investigators say to us that this death was deliberate and personal, naturally, who are we going to look at? We're going to look at family members closest to Debbie. And we're going to look at family members that perhaps have a dysfunctional relationship, that the needle is pointing at them more than anyone else. And it's no shock, I'm going to say it, um, Amanda Bearden, her daughter, who obviously has, you know, she's been on that podcast uh, that is her cousin's podcast, uh, Crime on the Record podcast. And that's why I think this case has reemerged with interest because she's going on this podcast and giving her uh, – her theories. Uh, Willa's Pony, why did law enforcement say deliberate and personal? Well, we can just surmise why. But that says to me that someone killed her and the person that killed her deliberately, of course, killed her. It was a It's a homicide investigation. And it was personal, meaning there was someone that had either an axe to grind or personal being someone close to her. You know, between 70, I think it's 70 and 80 percent of all homicides, the victim and and the perpetrator are known to each other. So knowing that, who do investigators naturally look at? They look at family members, right? So yes, that, that statement, <laughs> deliberate and personal, that dragged all of us in there. Oh, this is going to be an easy case to solve. This is going to be so easy. It's deliberate and personal. It's got to be someone in the family. And right away, everyone, including me, including me, I'm not <laughs> with those those without sin may throw the first stone. I was I include myself in that. I pointed towards Amanda Bearden right away too, and her boyfriend, uh, who they had a rocky relationship. Her boyfriend Andrew Gigerich. They had a rocky relationship with her, with each other and with her family. So right away, and, and who did the police early on in the investigation serve a warrant on? Amanda Bearden's house. What did they find? Do we know what they found? No, we don't know what they found. In a recent report, Debbie Collier's daughter, Amanda, has slammed claims that her mother was murdered after chilling information surrounding the Georgia mob's injuries came to light. For the first time, Amanda Bearden revealed that her mother may have died by suicide. As sources say, it's possible that Collier suffocated in a fire that she started herself, but the official cause of death remains a mystery. It remains a mystery because the autopsy report has not been issued. But this is Amanda Bearden. This is not an official report by the police or the investigators that Oh, yes, this is a suicide. This is still being investigated as a murder, as a homicide. Breaking her silence on Crime on the Record podcast, the grieving daughter gave more information on her mother's mental health in her final moments before she was discovered dead, partially naked and burned on September 11th. The whole way that she was discovered dead was bizarre. And it doesn't, you know... There's, there's an NYPD um, suicide expert doctor, uh, Dr. Stephen Washko. And he's a, a gem of a man, and he helps cops out that have uh, PTSD, uh, potential problems on the job, mental health issues. He helps them out. And he has a famous quote. He says, when you've seen one, one suicide, You've seen one suicide, meaning that each suicide is unique unto itself. So you can't just surmise from one suicide. Oh, these are all these suicides are the same. They are all different. 
So Dr. Stephen Washkel says, when you've seen one suicide, you've seen one suicide. And many practitioners may say differently, but that is his quote. And I understand that as, an, as a homicide investigator. I've seen lots of suicides, you know, gunshot wounds, people hanging themselves, people jumping out of buildings, self-inflicted stab wounds, you know, things that might not necessarily scream out this is a suicide, you know. And that's where the investigation comes in and the investigators come in. Uh, <clears throat> Habersham County investigators have been investigating major twists in the case of uh, Debbie Collier's. She was 59 years old. She was last seen alive shopping at the dollar store, a dollar store that was 60 miles from her house. That made no sense either. You know, that made no sense at all. Uh, the wife and mother was spotted purchasing a tarp and a refillable torch lighter shortly before her daughter, Amanda Bearden, said she received a Venmo payment of nearly $2,400. And this is the other thing that really people didn't know what to think. The Venmo payment had a cryptic, that's how they describe it, a cryptic message. They're not going to let me go, love. There is a key to the house in the blue flower pot by the door. And less than 24 hours later, cops found Debbie's body in a ravine about an hour from her home in Athens, Georgia. Part of her abdomen was charred and her body was positioned near an uprooted tree with a partially burned blue top and red tote bag found nearby. Police have remained tight-lipped throughout this case, but did say they did not believe she died by kidnapping or suicide, and even suggested the incident could have been an accident. That's the first time I'm hearing that, right? Remember we said the four ways that death can be presented to the investigator? Homicide, suicide, natural, and accidental. This is the first time, does it make sense that she was partially naked? How does that come into the accident? I mean, the investigators... It's not, look, it's not unusual that investigators change direction in a homicide investigation. A case can go one way and investigators can discover other things and change direction. That doesn't scream out incompetence or anything like that. It just screams out that we were going in the wrong direction and we, we found out that we were, so we changed direction. And this is where uh, we're going now. Uh, why did the, you know, Willis, why did law enforcement say deliberate and personal? Because they, they thought early on in this investigation, A, it was a homicide and it presented itself as such. And B, personal meaning that the person or persons that killed her, it was personal. They were involved in her life. It again was not a stranger. But now I believe that law enforcement is backing off that a little bit. Now you're hearing the words like, could have been accidental it could have been a suicide but we're not we until until we have the autopsy back which i mentioned before um i don't think we can make a, a correct call amanda bearden who was one of the last people to speak with her mom was was investigated in connection with debbie's death we we mentioned earlier that the police early on the investigated served the search warrant on her house. The 36-year-old woman was has an extensive rap sheet that includes a number of domestic violence incidents going back more than a decade. She vehemently denied any involvement in her mother's death as cops continued to indicate it was not a homicide. I, you know, I'm not hearing the police coming out saying that. However, she recently said that online speculation has already done more than enough damage. All my family turned against me, Amanda said on the podcast live stream. And of course, that's her cousin's podcast, uh, Crime on the Record podcast. Uh, so according to Amanda, I get thinking, you know, the, this girl's crazy, but they're horrible, awful human beings. And I pray that the trauma and the pain that I had to go through when the police do make this press conference, which they told me that they will, I hope you don't do this to another family. Look, there's a lot of folks, content creators on YouTube, 
they they put out content and this what i am doing and what podcasters are doing is entertainment some people have a code of ethics i've seen a lot of people doing podcasts on youtube that have absolutely zero ethics you know and many content creators on youtube and i'm not going to name them by name but they actually make stuff up to make the case more dramatic and they say oh what if this or what if that and they don't use a, the scientific method of of what you know homicide is an art homicide investigation investigation period is an art and a science they don't look at it that way they do a lot of the soap opera stuff to draw people in you know and um i understand what amanda beard is saying because everyone pointed fingers at her early on and said she killed her mother and if you watch any of her interview uh either on the podcast her cousin's podcast the crime on the record uh podcast it's an hour and 30 minutes long and she's 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 believable yet she's sympathetic let me put it that way she's sympathetic however she's all over the place she's all over the place so when the police interviewed her and interrogated her they had every reason uh to believe that potentially she was involved in this the son of debbie collier he slammed the sheriff claimed that Havisham county sheriff uh joey terrell dismissed his concerns regarding his mother's investigation uh you know so they're all they're all over the place many people even in the family um went against when it went against uh amanda bearden and they were pointing fingers at her also and that's what she has such a big problem with however you know she was involved in this from from minute one the money was sent to her the message was sent to her she's referred to in the message we remember her mom in that dollar store that was 60 something miles away from where she lived you're inside a family dollar store in georgia at around three o'clock on a saturday afternoon she's purchasing a red tote a blue tarp a poncho paper towels and a torch lighter after leaving the store her daughter amanda received a venmo for over two thousand dollars which included a cryptic message from her mom they are not going to let me go love you there is a key to the house in the blue flower pot by the door debbie was found the next day burnt and partially naked 15 minutes away from that convenience store which was about an hour north of her home in athens from the beginning investigators said it was a homicide and it was personal but after two months no one has been arrested and it seems like the homicide theory may or may not be true and now Debbie's daughter, Amanda, the one who received that Venmo and that strange message, is speaking out publicly for the first time, answering questions on the Crime on the Record podcast hosted by a relative of hers. In the podcast, Amanda says she's been cleared by investigators and her mom died by suicide. You know, I don't see, like, when she's saying she's been cleared by investigators, she cannot personally tell us that and have us take that as gospel. I will not believe that until I hear that from the mouth of an investigator, not from the mouth of someone who was a suspect. Tonight, we'll take a look at that podcast with our own investigators and our own experts. I'm Vinnie Politan. Great to have you here tonight for closing arguments. This hour, we're going to take a closer look at what's really been one of the most puzzling stories, mysteries, death investigations that we've covered in quite some time. We're talking about Debbie Collier. And it all began at the crime scene, right? So you have a, a or is it a crime scene, right? That's, that's a question we're going to talk about tonight. But, you know, once investigators get there, you want to know, well, what happened here? What happened? 
And, and from the beginning, we were hearing this was a, a homicide investigation. So all of us covering the story and trying to figure out what happened presumed and assumed this was a murder case. And as we heard some more of the peculiar facts surrounding all of it, uh, it sort of confirmed that. You know, what we heard, the limited information that we heard and what we learned as we saw videos and everything, none of it made a lot of sense, but it was, you know, we trusted investigators who said, yeah, this is, this is a homicide investigation. So when that happens, then it's all about, well, okay, we kind of know what happened, sort of, but who did it? Who's responsible? Who would take the life of this mom from Georgia? What possible reason would you have for taking her life? I mean, everything we heard, she was living a pretty normal kind of life. There was nothing peculiar. She wasn't up to anything. Uh, didn't seem to have any enemies in the world. Like, who would do that? You know, and, and along with that is the question of why would you do that? Um, but now. So, folks, yeah, the why, like, why would someone do that? And then when they talk about the police, uh, what happened was deliberate and personal. Where, where did that come from? Where did the deliberate and personal come from? And then they are they retracting that now? And but the main thing that I want to know and that everyone wants to know, where is the autopsy report? Where is that? That will help us determine what occurred. Could it have been suicide? How did, does someone kill themselves by inhaling carbon monoxide from a fire that was lit on her abdomen? That sounds pretty damn bizarre to me. You know, I've, I've never had a case like that. I've never seen a case where someone committed suicide by setting... Well, you know, according to most, uh, a lot of death investigators, medical legal investigators, if you ask them how many times in your career, if you had a 25 or 30 year career, have you seen someone kill themselves by setting themselves on fire? That's also quite rare. It does happen, but it, it's quite, quite rare. Um, you know, when we had the police on my show a couple of months ago, uh, this is what... Um, the chief was saying, you know, in regards to the deliberate and uh, and personal, and they were pretty confident back then. But now it seems they're not not as confident. On behalf of Sheriff Joey Terrell, I want to welcome you. Uh, to begin with, I'd like to give you a brief synopsis of where we are to date on the investigation. Uh, the results of the autopsy are still pending. The results regarding the analysis of the items we've submitted to the crime lab are still pending. We are now just beginning to get You know, and we're talking about this, this was about two months ago, or at least six to eight weeks ago. So the autopsy is still pending. The items, evidentiary items we sent to the lab are still pending. These are the things that we need as investigators, as people following this case, we need to know what the results are because we can't just keep guessing. We can't guess what occurred. We need evidence. We need solid evidence. When we're talking about whether this was a homicide or a suicide, and I said earlier on that every death investigation begins as a homicide investigation. And then if two, you can clear it and say, no, it's not a homicide. It's a suicide. It's accidental. Uh, or it's natural, you know, and uh, sometimes natural, uh, it's very difficult for the on the scene investigator to determine natural, unless it's a super old person that appeared, was under a doctor's care. But many deaths are determined um, causation-wise from the autopsy. And uh, that's that's what when he's saying we don't have the autopsy back and we don't have the results of the evidence, we, you still don't have it. Responses to the search warrants and the subpoenas in the case to date. We can tell you that we have received additional footage 
from a security camera from a business near the family dollar store. That additional footage shows us that Deborah Collier walked out of the family dollar store at 309, got into her van, and remained in her van in the parking lot for 10 minutes before leaving the parking lot and heading south on Georgia 15, Highway 441, US 23. This tells us that the time frame is actually narrowed a little further to for the this case to begin at 3:19 p.m. on Saturday, September 10th, and ending at 12:44 Sunday, September 11th, the time of the discovery. Please understand that this case is very complex in nature and has a lot of questions and unknowns that aren't found in a typical death investigation. It is going to take significantly more time than the 19 days that have passed since the discovery to solve this crime. You know, folks, I would disagree with the fact that this case is any more difficult than, I mean, maybe there is a lot of twists and turns. There's a lot of scientific evidence to be processed. The cell phone data is the key, is the key to this case. Also, how about the rental van? If, you know, we went through um, the Kylie Rodney case and we're talking about the black box in the vehicle. Does this vehicle also have a black box? It had the Sirius radio, which allowed it to be found via GPS. That's how they found that. So might it also have um, built in GPS in the car that will tell us where she, the route that she drove? Might it also tell us, um, you know, the times? Uh, that she was driving and, and where she was driving. And how, so based on that, if you can get that information, you know, co- can also do a canvas and look for cameras that are on the road. I don't know if they have. What, what, what a brilliant investigator that guy is. <laughs> this was from my show from a couple of months ago. And <clears throat> now we were, we were talking about back then the, uh, the GPS and and where the car, the route of the vehicle. And I felt that that was so important back then, especially because of the Venmo payment. And it seems like they either have that information and they've determined that uh, it it hasn't helped them in the investigation because they haven't said anything in regards to where was Amanda Bearden and her boyfriend when Deborah Bearden was at that dollar store? Were they in the vicinity? We never received any information in regards to that. In fact, it appears that uh, Amanda Bearden is the one who called the rental car company and had them had determined that it had a tracking device, and she went to the scene where her mother was found, where her mother. So it's like some of these things are baffling and we haven't gotten answers from law enforcement in regards to this case. Uh, So when we start hearing from Amanda Bearden that, oh, the police cleared me. And now they're, they're saying that this is a suicide rather than a homicide. We're not hearing that from the police. We're hearing that from Amanda Bearden. I still believe this is a homicide investigation. Could I be wrong? I could always be wrong. But based on the way this presented, I don't buy at all that this is a suicide. I just don't get this as a suicide. And a lot of this is, from what I could see, the demeanor of Debbie Collier. I didn't see her as a suicidal person. I I mean, I would like to know whether or not the law enforcement officers, the detectives in Havisham County, went to her workplace and interviewed her boss and her fellow fellow employees and asked them and determined what was her demeanor? What was she like? How, how was her mental attitude in the last week or two or the last month? How was it? Because we're, ta- we're getting this information now from Amanda Bearden. And I don't think that that you can get information from her at this point that says, uh, that says it's, 
you know, we can't we can't rely on it. Let's put it that way. We can't we can't rely on the information coming from Amanda because she, frankly, was a suspect in this case or is still a suspect. We didn't clear them. I don't know if the police cleared them. She's saying she's cleared. The son really takes a much different demeanor towards this whole uh, caper than his sister. And I'm going to play a little bit of the interview of of the son. The son of Athens woman Debbie Collier is breaking his silence. This comes nearly two months after his mother's body was found partially nude and burned in Habersham County. We're all trying to piece it together, and I'm asking again for help because my mom deserves justice. Tonight, Jeffrey Bearden's fight for justice may just leave you with even more questions about this bizarre unsolved mystery. 11 Alive's Cody Alcorn spoke with him tonight. And Cody, what did he decide to, or what made him decide to finally speak with you after all of these weeks? Jennifer, Jeffrey, uh, he wants answers. He wants justice for his mom. And as I learned tonight, he has some questions of his own. The last time we heard from the Habersham County Sheriff's Office was on September 30th. We believe that this act was delivered in person. Debbie Collier's body was found on September 11th, 50 miles from her home in Athens in this remote area of Clarksville. The day before her body was found, the Sheriff's Office released this video of who they say was Debbie Collier inside a family dollar not far from the crime scene in Clayton. It doesn't make sense to me why my mom was in Clayton, Georgia, especially that there was a Dollar General that she frequently visited that was less than a mile from her home. And what about the tarp and reusable tote bag she bought? Items which were found next to her partially nude and burned body. I mean, we have tarps at the house. I found about 20 reusable, 20 to 30 reusable bags at my mom's house. Something else caught Bearden's eye. I've never seen my mom wear shorts um, in the last like five years of her life. So you're questioning if that was even your mom in that video? Absolutely, yeah. I am. I have a lot of concern. No suspect has been named, but 11 Alive confirmed search warrants were served at Debbie's home and the home where her daughter currently lives when asked about that. I do not think my sister has the capacity to hurt my, to hurt my mom. Um, she was my mom's lifeline, um, but I don't trust the people that my sister hangs out with, and that's my concern. As far as the bizarre Venmo payment of $2,385 sent from Debbie's phone to her daughters on the day before her body was found. I've never seen my mom Venmo that large of an amount of money. There's one thing Bearden made very clear. I'm not going to stop until you are in jail or you're on death row. Now, Jeffrey Bearden has also questioned how the Habersham County Sheriff's Office has handled this investigation. Bearden tells me last week he called the sheriff, and when he questioned the sheriff about the investigation, how they handled it, he, quote, snickered at him on the phone when he pushed for answers. Bearden went so far to ask for the sheriff's resignation on how this whole thing has been handled. Now, I did reach out to the Habersham County Sheriff's Office tonight for comments but I've yet to hear back. Bearden tells me he will not stop pushing for answers until his mother's killer is caught. First tonight at 11, the son of Athens woman. So folks, it's still, here's, here's the, the son has a whole different take on it than his sister. But one of the things he said about his sister, Amanda Bearden, was that he doesn't think she, she could hurt my mother. Now, I've heard people say that all the time uh, that were stone cold killers oh she this person couldn't hurt anybody and then the, you, you find out later that they did kill the person however he did say that the people she hangs out with so amanda bearden i think very obviously and historically has a drug problem you know uh, the the old adage birds of a feather flock together so she's probably hanging out with other other drug uh, drug users, and that's who the brother is referring to, that my sister couldn't hurt anyone, however, the people that she hangs out with. Is it a possibility that some of the drug people that she hangs out with, in fact, could have been the ones who, who killed uh, Debbie Collier? That has to be, of course, looked into. 
We don't know where. I mean, look, the Habersham County detectives, the investigators, they should look at all of these things, of course. And it's been September 11th, October, November. We're into, we're into deep, deep into November, right? Uh, November, well, actually, November 13th. So September, October, it's, th it's three months, coming up on three months. So where are they in this investigation? Where is the autopsy? Where is the toxicology? We all need that, right? Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you like this podcast, this is a podcast, Real Crime Stories from a police perspective. Please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell, and give us a thumbs up. If you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels, and you can support us on our Patreon financially. We also have a YouTube channel membership. And our YouTube has five, folks, five, count them, five different levels. And you can contribute to us on that. Doodle Mom, I love that. Much love from Wisconsin. Thank you for the 999 Super Chat. Very much appreciated, guys. Um, everyone has been asking me for the Supreme Commander mug. And apparently the Supreme Commander mug is out right now. And if you want to go on our... Uh, our website, you can order the Supreme Commander mug as well as other items with the Supreme Commander logo on it. And we're having a lot of fun with that. Folks like the logo. Folks uh, uh, have definitely having some fun with it. So, folks, this is a baffling case. I'm not acting as if um, this is at all um, this is at all an easy case. This is a really tough, tough case. And anytime a case can go from, oh, this is a homicide to, oh, this potentially could be a suicide, that's, that is baffling. That is baffling to investigators. That's baffling to the family. That's baffling to people that are following this case. And it's, it's very, very difficult um, for investigators when it goes from thinking it's a homicide to a suicide, uh, very difficult to now, minus, minus not having the autopsy results, to um, to say what this is. And let me play a little bit of this. The strange circumstances and obviously the Venmo and the transaction of money that she got, right? Follow the money, follow the money. Well, today we listened to, or I did, uh, and you need to do it after the show. Um, here's a, Amanda Bearden on the Crime on the Record podcast talking about the death of her mother. You've come out and said that you know you believe it was suicide, correct? Yes. No one saw her that day prior um, on Friday. Um, there were actions. Um, my mom was like giving away things that, you know, now looking back on, I'm like, well, that was weird. Even when I seen her um, Friday, you know, because we hadn't seen each other in a minute, I saw tears in her eyes. Um, I'd never seen her that sad. Okay. So, you know, the premise to all this, again, everyone was looking at her as potential suspect someone that would need to be cleared in all this because of that transfer of money the relationship you always look at the people closest to the victim but we may not even be looking at a homicide investigation anymore i'm not sure i don't know where we are in all of this but i want to bring in our special guests to get a little more clarity joining us tonight now Folks, if you want to watch that, you can go and it's again, it's called the I'm not going to play their podcast on my podcast. It's called the Crime on the Record podcast. The interview with Amanda Bearden is over an hour and a half long. And I mean, you can observe her also and you could see by she's got issues. You know, she's got some issues, I think. I don't want to beat down the person, but uh Doodle Mom, thank you so much for the 1999 super sticker. Uh, really appreciate it. We appreciate all you folks that are supporting Police Off the Cuff, real crime stories. A, a tremendous, uh, tremendous audience. We have a tremendous um, crew out there that that support us. 
And I really appreciate that. So, yeah, it's – I don't want to beat her down, but, you know, she's been looked at from day one probably as suspect numero uno, all right, that she and her boyfriend, um, they've had some issues in the past. And they were looked at as suspects. It's so much to the fact that they they did a warrant on their house. They did a warrant, a search warrant early in the investigation on their home. So what did the police find? The police, you know, one of the things when you when you point at someone as a potential suspect, you don't get unlimited shots at that person, meaning that you don't get an unlimited amount of times to interview them. Once you bring someone in once, twice at the most, and you don't get an, a, a confession or you don't get an admission, it's over because they're going to either retain counsel and they're going to freeze up and not talk anymore, or you know they're just going to refuse to cooperate anymore. So investigators don't get an unlimited bite at the apple. Let's put it that way, you know. Um, so the, she's been interviewed. Uh, after all, her body language uh, doesn't show too much grief. Look, one of the things that I I did watch the interview. One of the things I would note. I think she's got mental illness. She's got mental illness. She obviously has drug issues. So that is evident when you watch her. Um, I, I can't, you know, at this point, I can't say, I think she's deceptive. Watching the interview, I did get that, that she's deceptive. But I can't say that I, that I, I still believe that she killed her mother. I can't say that. I can't. And in the beginning, I was on that, uh, I was on that bus. I thought that Amanda Bearden and her boyfriend, uh, what's his name, the MMA fight. I think he said one fight, Andrew Gigirich, uh, Gigirich. I thought that they were totally, um, and I, I'm not clearing them, but I don't feel as strongly that they are potentially involved in the murder of their mother. But like the son said, I don't believe my sister did it, but I believe that... Um, it could be in, in the friends that she hangs out with. She has, you know, the old expression, birds of a feather uh, flock together, could be some of her drug dealer friends, you know. Um, so I'm not saying that, uh, again, that, that, she, that she's cleared or that she didn't do it. But I, I just don't look, with, again, without the autopsy, without the toxicology, I don't think we can just jump out there and say, oh, um, you know, we, we know that she excuse me, we know that she did this, but we don't. We don't know. It's very baffling now. And I'm going to kind of stand here and say, oh, I'm an expert. She did it. She did it. You're missing a huge part of the evidence. You're missing the scientific evidence. And without that, we can't not we can't make, a, you know, a good judgment that, oh, Yes, yes, uh, she did it. You know, she did it because uh, I know she did it because uh, she's 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 the daughter. She's the closest to her mom, and she definitely did it. I can't say that without the rest of the evidence. There is no way that anyone can predict what happened, and anyone that says that they can is full of it. <laughs> They're full of it. So. We need to really wait till we have the all the evidence in before we make this judgment. The daughter of an Athens mother found dead in Habersham County is now speaking out publicly. Since Debbie Collier was found, Amanda Bearden says that she's faced intense scrutiny and some of her own family members are accusing her of murder. My mom would be very ashamed yes. of, of people that have cyber bullied me um she'd be rolling over in her grave right now 
Bearden spoke to the Crime on the Record podcast tonight, and despite police saying that her mother's death is a homicide investigation, she says she believes her mom died by suicide, saying that she took off from work the week before her death and was giving away a lot of her belongings. And she also says that she believes that this is her mother seen in that security video. You can see it right there, released by police, something her own brother doubts, as he told us earlier this month. I've never seen my mom wear shorts um, in the last like five years of her life. So you're questioning if that was even your mom in that video? Absolutely. Yeah, I am. I have a lot of concerns. By the way, Amanda told Crime on the Record that police told another family member that they're waiting on two reports to come back before releasing any more details on this case. The daughter of an Athens mother found dead. with answering the question that you have. First of all, I want to thank everyone for being here, uh, being part of this. Hopefully we'll be able to answer some questions uh, and give y'all some insight uh, of where we're at and kind of what we're dealing with. First off, I want to start off by saying we have got, received a lot of questions that y'all have seen. Uh, some of these questions, the information that is pertaining to those questions is very sensitive information. We will try to answer, answer them to the best that we can, but there will be information that we need to retain just for the simple fact of it being very sensitive and we, and we don't want our potential. Folks, I'm going to take that off since it's, uh, it's, really, it's really low, the sound, and I don't want to uh, drag you into this, that you can't, you can't hear what this is saying. You know, uh, the 911 calls... Uh, they they were baffling also. I mean, let me just see if I can pull them up. It seemed like the family didn't um, didn't know what was going on until you know several hours after uh, several hours after they should have known. They should have um, they sh they should have been on top of this much sooner than they were and and then it was uh it, it was a little bit later it was almost like a tape delay thing the, the family reacted uh the family reacted later than they should have i thought that the calls should have came in um should have came in much quicker than they did i'm going to play off a little bit of the 911 calls now and you can hear I believe it's it's the husband calling in. Um, let me share the screen here. We'll bring it up on the screen. Okay. Yes. Uh, came home. My wife wasn't home. Her driver's license still in there. The rental car's gone, and her daughter's here. And we were kind of worried about what's happening and where she's at. I was wondering if you could send somebody over here. Does she have any medical issues? Is she like Alzheimer's or something like that? Uh, no, no, she's uh, 59 years old. No, she has no medical issues or like that. And according to her daughter, who went up and uh, her birth is still here with her driver's license. The only thing is the phone is gone, and she sent her daughter a text about two hours ago saying they won't let me go. Whatever that means, 
We don't know. And I've been gone all day parking cars for the football game. You know, and well, that's where we at. Daughter is text message saying that. My stepdaughter. Stepdaughter that they won't let her go. Yeah, they got. She got text message saying that. And it comes from her number, right? What, what is um? What's your name, sir? Steve Collier. Put your last name for me. C O L L I E R. And your wife's name? Deb Deborah. Before uh, we call it Debbie, but it's D B O R R A H. Same last name? Carter, yes. How old is she? She's 59? 59. She just turned 59. You just returned home, right? Pardon me? You just returned home, right? Yes, I just returned home. I was parking cars uh, until about 4.30, and when I came back, to the van that she had rented because the car was in shop uh, was gone. I figured she was shopping for food. Okay. So, and her car is there? Pardon me? Her van is not here. Okay. But her driver's license and what else is there? Right. Oh. Yeah, her driver's license is here. What else did she leave for the purse or anything else? Uh, yeah. I think that 911 operator should have just sent the police uh, quickly because he was, you know, <laughs> I've dealt with 911 operators before and uh, this guy wasn't the uh, sharpest bulb in the drawer, I'll put it that way, you know. And um, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's just crazy. The guy was, uh, I don't want to hop on that. He was asking the same questions over and over again. Oh, a car's there? No, a car's gone. You know, it's it sounds crazy, but uh, that that's that's what uh, that's what you're dealing with, you know, sometimes. But uh, again, guys, this case baffling, interesting case. Again, when we talk about it, homicide, suicide, accidental, or natural. When she said. Or they said something about it could be accidental. How? Where? Who's coming up with those? Uh, with that hypothesis that it could be accidental, based based on what? How? You know, we she's found partially naked in the woods. How does that equal an accident? Clutching a tree branch with obvious burns on her abdomen. How is that an accident? I don't get it. I don't get it. Was she starting a campfire or something? I mean, I just, I'm not trying to be funny, but how does that equal an accident? I, I don't think that really does equal an accident. But again, homicide, suicide, accidental, unnatural, right? And that's how it should present itself. Schmitty, witty Schmitty, Belgian Bill, you have great intuition. Good on you. Thank you, Schmitty. Very nice of you. All you uh, police off the cuff fans, um, Friends, friends, Romans, countrymen, let me know you. Fans, subscribers, I want to thank all you guys for uh, supporting this channel. You're really great. Um, Dawn Marie, I'm not muted anymore, but thank you. Uh, you, you guys can hear me now, right? Uh, I, I Maybe before I was playing, when I was playing the uh, muted, no sound. You're hearing sound now, guys? Give me a one if you're hearing sound. Uh, um after all, a wow, interesting twist is that even her at the store. You know, I think that um, um, I don't know why the son says he doesn't think that was her at the store. I think it's pretty obviously her at the store. Uh, guys, are you all hearing me now? Uh, guys, you hearing me? Give me a one if you if you can hear me. Um, uh, yeah, so you can't hear me. Guys, can uh, give me a one in the chat if you can hear. I'm sorry uh, something happened to the sound potentially. Um, sound on the video, but he mutes it and we can't hear him. Okay, guys, you can hear me now, right? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was playing the sound on the video before and I potentially got muted. Uh 
Yeah, I mean, we're going to follow this case. It's it's really a difficult case at this point. Um, I think that um, now you're hearing me. Okay, guys, I'm sorry uh, that I, I got muted in some way. Uh, guys, if you're um, if you're looking for a great defense attorney in the New York City, New York metropolitan area, Joe Murray is your man. Joe Murray is a retired NYPD police officer. And he's a great defense attorney. You can get him on his cell phone at 718-514-3855. You can email him at joe at jmurray-law.com. His website is jmurray-law.com for a great defense attorney in the New York metropolitan area. Uh, so, guys, what we're looking at here is uh, I, I really want um, to know the details of the autopsy. I want to know the details of the toxicology. Um, that'll tell us more. That'll get, you know, I had thought earlier on, I said when I first covered this case, that all of the cell phone information would really connect us to what was going on. And I thought that the cell phone information and the, the cell phone towers, the cell site information would tell us where Amanda Bearden was during this. And that potentially, since I thought she was uh, a, a suspect, I thought that um, that would give the police the answers as to what, and her boyfriend, of course. But now we have close to uh, September 11th, this happened, October, November, and still no answers, still we still don't have the answers to this case. It's still an open case. And we haven't, the police have not um, offered new information by way of a press conference to enlighten the folks that are following this case, to enlighten the family. Uh, this case just got new information because Amanda Bearden appeared on that podcast, Crime on the Record podcast which one of the podcasters on that is her cousin. That's a little bit bizarre, right? Her cousin is putting her cousin on her podcast in the potential murder of her cousin's mom, who she knows, she grew up with. She grew up with uh, Debbie Collier. It just seems a little bit strange. Um, on that uh, podcast that I played, you know, at least three experts, four experts weighed in on this case, and, and they are, are baffled also. Again, no one can determine at this point, was this a homicide? Is this a suicide? Accidental. Tonight is the first time I've ever heard anyone say potentially that this case could be an accidental uh, death. It's the first time I ever heard it. Uh, Witty Schmitty, I feel accident has to be knocked off the list. That leaves suicide or homicide, right? Half naked, weird way to commit suicide. Schmitty, I 100% agree with you. I don't understand why someone would commit suicide and strip half naked to do that. Although, you know, as Dr. Stephen Washkel said, if you've seen one suicide, you've seen one suicide, right? So things surprise us things sometimes don't make sense you know we as human beings we as investigators we're always looking for things that make sense you know uh and things don't always uh make sense sdh not a suicide sdh can you elaborate more on that uh MK, her clothes were burning. She went into a creek also. Alan Hinkle depends on frame of mind. Um, Detective Wisdom, the clothes were burnt off of her body, potentially, but we, we weren't told that. Has the Have the investigators told us that? Uh, Renee Kinyu, uh, Keanu, I have never had an accident where I took my clothes off and burned myself. No, I, I, I mean that is is somewhat is somewhat bizarre. Yeah, it's somewhat weird. Um, 
I hope profiling with Pat Brown does a video of very educational. Um, you know, with the information we have on this case, you know, you can you can have a room full of investigators, but we don't have enough investigative information regarding, of course, what I spoke about before, the autopsy and the toxicology to make a call. You know, people can guess, you know, and some of investigation is hypothesizing an educated guess, but we don't have the information necessary to make uh, to make those guesses and to make an educated guess to say, oh, this is what happened. This is definitely what happened. Uh, that's, of course, Debbie Collier on the screen. Um, and every picture that I see her in, she seems like a, 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 a pretty pretty happy individual. I've never, well, obviously I don't know her, but I haven't seen her pictures of her, even when she was going about her business on the 10th, when she was in the dollar store and she was riding around, she didn't appear to be distressed by her, um, her body language, you know, uh, Renee Keanu, maybe she was on drugs. Who knows? Need tox report. Renee Keanu, I 100% agree with you. We don't know. We don't know for sure. Will she be under the care of a doctor? Did she have mental health issues? We don't know that. Uh, assume the clothes Mary Ricketts, assume the clothes she was found wearing should be the same as she wore in the store video. Yeah, I, we can assume that, but we don't know that for sure, right? We we don't uh, we don't know that. Um, um, MK, most people are very calm on the day that they commit suicide. Yeah, well, it's it's all different to tell you the truth. It is it is all different, and uh, it's it's coexist twenty twenty. Uh, Phil, yes, her shirt. Uh, was burned. Can you believe what the news crew went out there? A few days later, there were pieces of a burned shirt, blue top. I, you know, something coexists 2020. That is a huge um, black eye on law enforcement. The way they left that crime scene was disgusting. It really was. We spoke upon that. Duty Ron uh, spoke upon that with uh, Ed Wallace, who's a first grade detective, crime scene expert. And he was baffled and really spoke about that is not professional crime scene investigation and collection of evidence. It's, uh, uh, I think, Kinsey uh, Milhone, I think what happened is usually law enforcement stays silent. But in this case, he came out with guns a blazing. So we all jumped on the bandwagon. Well, you know, Kinsey. We can only go for the by the information, the investigative information that is released to us. We're not privy to the case folder. We, we don't get to interview the detectives who tell us what the investigation results are, the information they have, the results of this, the results of that. We don't um, we don't we're not privy to that. SDH, what about work-related? If she was a secretary or receptionist for a real estate group, she could have responsibilities handling high-dollar items. I think she was like an office manager. I don't know how much she was involved in the sale or the business end of it. I think she managed. Um, uh, I think she managed this, the uh, the office. Um, the crime scene was left in such a horrible shape. Yeah, we, we spoke about that before. Um, folks, um, at BB2, Sergeant Bill has law enforcement interviewed her place of employment, just thinking they may have a good idea of her mental status. Was she acting normal in the previous days? Look, I would, if I was running this investigation, I would, of course, have gone to her office day one or day two. So that is an investigative checklist thing. They 100% should have went there and interviewed her boss, her fellow employees, her friends. All of that is part of the, the victimology, the study of the victim. And all of that is superbly important. Uh, Phil, just what 
if that was the one place that had DNA, I'd be completely embarrassed if that were my scene, huge black eye. Yes, it was a huge black eye. Guys, uh, I'm at an hour and five minutes at this point. Thank you so much for coming by today. Uh, if I get new information and there's new breaking information on this case, I will absolutely uh, cover this case and uh, come back on. Uh, until that happens, I want to say have a great night. God bless, and uh, I'll see you guys hopefully tomorrow. Have a great night, everyone. From Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff. One episode, just ain't enough.